So when we have conversations with the CEOs, they typically don't realize what kind of challenge they have at hand. They don't realize the mandate they have. They tend to have a mixture of different individuals. Sometimes they just appoint a friend. This is not about joint problem solving, but it is giving a clear path and then let the individuals work through competition. Sometimes people are hired for the sake of hiring for diversity, and that is a mistake. So one has to think of what kind of diversity adds value in the specific situation. In a company, you cannot assess people for performance based on diverse criteria. So it has to be consistency in the way you perform. Everybody has a preference. Some people prefer to work through competition. Some people prefer to work collaboration. So you need to establish these very strong norms that everybody has to adhere to. And if people are not capable of doing that, eventually you may have to change them. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures. Share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your host, Mitch Simon. And on today's podcast, we have Mariana Zangilo and Thomas Keel, partners at The Next Advisors, where they work and lead research on boards, CEO succession, and leadership teams. Both of our guests lead company transformations, speak, teach, and have been published in Harvard Business Review and MIT Sloan Management Review. They have co-authored the Next CEO, and the recently released book, The Next Leadership Team, How to Select, Build, and Optimize Your Top Team. Hello, Mariana and Thomas. How are you? Great. Sun is shining here in theory today. Good. Cannot complain on a day like that. Great. So our guests are coming in from Switzerland. And Mariana, did I, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, Mariana Zangrillo. That's good. Mariana Zangrillo. Okay, beautiful. I want to make sure I get that. Beautiful. Great. So let's start off with, um, I just want to know, why are you both, we'll start with uh, Thomas, why are you both so curious about CEOs and their leadership teams? Well, you know, we've, we've had a great opportunity to talk to people um, and uh, these, uh, these people have always interesting stories to tell and uh, I'm really interested in, in great stories and uh, this is where you hear them the most and uh, so we turned great uh, stories into a serious research. That's great. And Mariana, you, and you? Well, it's, uh, it's roughly the same. You know, we hear so many stories when we are talking with the CEOs and the executives. One just wants to capture and share the, the good news, you know, that there are uh, some little tricks that people can use to, to, to do better. And uh, sometimes that is a little underestimated. You know, there are tricks, not just about uh, luck or, or fantastic individuals. Oh, great. So we're definitely going to talk about tricks today. That would be great. Now, how did you both meet and decide that you wanted to work together on so many things? Well, back in 2008, actually, Thomas was working as a professor of strategy in Finland, and uh, I was working as a VP in a Finnish multinational at that time. Um, and I was also doing guest lectures in, um, in a different department. So we met there by chance, and uh, we discovered common interests, uh, but uh, we also noticed that we had very different perspectives on the same topics. So we would, for example, listen to someone speak, and then Thomas would pick some topics, I would pick some other topics. So we realized actually we had common interests, but very different perspective and ultimately complementary knowledge. That, that really made 
that become a great team when we are trying to research and write something. Beautiful. Yeah. And that's, that's our commonality. I spent a lot of time in Finland working for Nokia. And it was just so amazing to find two people who had spent so much time in Finland. It's cold there. So um, can you tell it's colder than Switzerland? Um, your first book, uh, which I wish we had time for, but we won't have time for, is The Next CEO. So your second book now is you went from the CEO to the leadership team. And can you tell us why you focused on the leadership team? And the reason why I ask that question is because as a coach, um, there are, there's zero books or maybe, maybe one book. But, you know, you look and look and look. Um, it's always about the CEO or it's always about, you know, how to be a great leader. But there's not much on there on how to find, form, develop, and lead your executive team. So how did you discover that niche and why do you think it's so important? Well, I mean, the, you know, the, there are some books on leadership teams, but uh, probably not as, uh, as, as good and tricks, you know, like to go back to, to, to that, that word. So uh, we, we realized that talking with CEOs, they, uh, they, they, they are very important. They are basically the, the, they have the largest impact on company performance, but they cannot do it alone. So it is very important that, that the CEOs pick the right teams ultimately to, to perform. And, and from these this conversations, we, we thought that it actually makes sense to start looking also in what the leadership team can do to perform. But even before that, what needs to be done to appoint the right leadership team? And this is basically how this, uh, this conversation started and uh, how this book came about. Great. So let's, let's get to the tricks um, immediately. And we'll go with Thomas. Um... So I don't want to give away the, the big trick, but I'll just say this. When I was reading the book, I thought, oh, okay. So you guys are going to answer the question about, you know, how to choose the great leadership team and how to act with the great leadership team as if there's one way to do it. So share with us, Thomas, what you discovered and, and, and what are those um, directions and suggestions to our listeners? You see, for us, the, the biggest insight and probably the most surprising insight was that there is no one way um, to, to do this. We've talked to well around 100 uh, CEOs and uh, would not say that there's 100 different ways, but there is certainly some two, three, four ways that uh, you can run a great leadership team. And... Uh, Accepting that there is no single way was for us really the, the most challenging thing because you know we all want to give you the one recipe, the one trick, but there's actually really several ways of how you can do them. And that was for us really the, the big insight, the, the very surprising. And it, and it doesn't necessarily vibe with everybody because everybody wants this one recipe. So, um, Mariana, what are... What again? Yeah, Thomas. We we all want the one answer. We want the one soundbite, and then we can follow that that one trick. So, when I read the book, um, what I was thinking I was thinking about the CEOs that I work with and how much they have to, um, let's say, admit their the the current their current situation. And then determine whether that's the way they actually want their leadership team to go. So, can you, Mariana, uh, talk to us about the the, the different w the different ways that you found teams to exist, um, and why those different teams might be the right approach for it for a different company? I mean, they are they are different uh, as, as as you see, you just formulated in your question already. They are different teams that we 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 find to exist, and uh, 
the, I think the, the first biggest challenge is to uh, be rational about what one has attained. So when we have our conversations with the CEOs, uh, they typically don't realize what kind of challenge they have at hand. They don't realize the mandate they have. They don't realize the type of team they have. They, they tend to have a mixture of different individuals. Sometimes they just appoint a friend. And what, what we try to rationalize is um, how do, how do uh, the CEOs can look into what they have at hand in type of mandate, what kind of people they have, and how they can convert what they have into something performed. So the, the very common way of looking at executive is that shark tank. You know, everybody has heard this word. So we tend to look at shark tank. And then in very rare situations, we found what one could call petting zoo. So a group of friends who really performing together and they, they are working together to make things happen. But we actually notice is that on one hand, you can find this kind of teams and then you could find something in, in the middle. But you can work with these teams to elevate so that the short tank can become a kind of a, of a, of a, a, a team of stars. So people which can perform together while maintaining the individual approach. And a petting zoo can also elevate themselves to a performing team if the goals are clear, if they have a clear mandate and they know how they're working together. And then I also think that, uh, that it is increasingly so that something in between can, can work and function even better depending, of course, on what kind of challenge you have at hand. And then you can have a combination of different teams, but you need to be consistent. So if organizations are consistent in the way they are, um, they are portraying the, the intentions, in the way they are hiring their leaders, then they can perform in any type of situation. Then it must also be said that uh, there is some, uh, some um, element of uh, considering the, the challenges a company has at hand at that very time. So what can work in a transformational situation doesn't necessarily work in a, in a, in a mature organization. So typically we see that in transformation, we need a bit stronger individuals. We need maybe a bit more and more for prima donnas, which are working together toward a goal, but they need a firmer approach. While in more mature setup, we tend to see more individuals which are uh, collaborating and they are not necessarily being paid a lot of uh, they, they, they are different kind of approaches which can work. There are different kind of leadership teams which can work. But uh, it is important that, uh, that the, 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 first of all, the board and then the CEO are looking really into a specific mandate and what they need to achieve. And then different leadership approach may actually make more sense. So we here in the States, um, we look at a lot of the time we're looking at the Patrick Lencioni model, which is, you know, basically everyone needs to get along. We have to have conflict, have accountability, command accountability, and then um, we all work together towards results. So I'm, I'm assuming that in, in all of your different scenarios, those things are true because those things lead to psychological safety. What I'd love for you to walk us through, um, maybe Thomas, you can, you can take it from here, is, is if I am looking at my team and I say, you know, gosh darn, I do have a lot of sharks. I mean, and... And so I hired, um, I hired a bunch of real, let's say I'm a sales company and I hired people that are go-getters and everyone is, you know, vying to eat each other. Let's just say what sharks do. Um, first of all, tell me about the, um, the realization I must go through as a CEO to say, oh my gosh, I have a lot of sharks. Um, then to ask myself, do I want a lot of sharks? And then what would I do to move my sharks? to be what you're calling a team of stars, right? Because I'm, I'm assuming sharks is dysfunctional, team of stars though is functional. 
Um, so help, help us understand, cause I really want to see the distinction between your shark tank to team of stars and penning zoo to high performing team. In, in our view, what is really the driver is, is first of all, the realization that these uh, work on different principles. When you have, uh, when you want to achieve this uh, team of stars, you're really looking at uh, the principle of competition. This is not about joint problem solving. This is not about uh, um, together uh, finding a pathway, but it is uh, giving a clear path and then uh, let uh, the, the individuals work through competition towards the best idea, um, not necessarily working off each other, but at times even competing directly, who, who's going to bring out the best idea. And that's, of course, fundamentally different uh, when we have uh, what we call the synergistic team, so the, the, the well-working, very tightly collaborating team. There, the principle is really about uh, collaboration. And when you want to achieve these two types of different operating principles, you need, of course, very different norms in the team. So, so what is for the leader central is to think very carefully about, okay, what are the kind of individuals I need to have, not to mix uh, easily, uh, for instance, uh, soft collaborative people into uh, a group of sharks because they will get literally eaten alive. They will not be effective. Uh, um, they will not be uh, um, working in that team. And on the other hand, if you throw in a shark into a collaborative team, it can flip around the culture very quick. So, so it starts with the selection and then it goes to actually establishing norms, uh, establishing norms of uh, how you interact, what kind of uh, principles. Yes, both of these want to have uh, psychological safety that you're not going at the individuals, but then you have norms of uh, um, when we have a problem, we will have competitive ideas uh, in the team of stars. When we have a problem in the synergistic team, we will try to work it out together. We will try to play off each other's ideas. We will try not to have any individual's idea being chosen, but to jointly create a new idea. So very different principles and norms of uh, how you work. Also, I mean, if you think of, uh, for instance, the um, synergistic team, you would like to make decisions far more by consensus uh, because that's aligned with the principle of collaboration. In the shark team, you don't need consensus. You just need a decision and people accepting that once we've made a decision, we move forward and you have to go with it. So it's really about establishing these norms. And then it, you take it from there and pull it through all the way of uh, um, how you measure performance, how you incentivize people, um, what kind of behaviors uh, you accept or not accept uh, as well. Um, and all of that, uh, as Mariana said earlier, needs to be very strongly aligned. And then you can move uh, um, what is a, if you have too much collaboration, a petting zoo, when nobody's really challenging each other um, towards a synergistic team, or when you have a shark tank where people are uh, backstabbing each other, um, you can move towards a team of stars uh, where everybody is striving, um, but without necessarily um, politicking and uh, and uh, torpedoing each other. Okay, so my my immediate question, and I um, remember when we first met, you know, I said, I hear what you're saying, I don't like what you're saying, but it's but it is you're the, you know you've done the research and then you know, so it doesn't matter what I like or not. One of the things that immediately comes to my mind is, well, wait a minute, um, Mariana and Thomas, what I've learned is diversity. So I, what I've learned is to have the best results, you wouldn't, you would want to have a bunch of, sh you would put your sharks and you put your like petting zoo people 
into a, a team because that's best for results. So help me understand, is that not the best from what your findings were? Well, I mean, diversity is uh, certainly adding value and the research shows that led to uh, what we noticed is that sometimes uh, people are hired for diversity for the sake of hiring for diversity, and that is a mistake. So one has to think of what kind of diversity adds value in the specific situations. So uh, one can look at you know whether it's gender, whether it's background, whether it's education, whether it's different upbringing, but it's different personalities, and you can have some sort of different personalities also within the you know the the, the, the team of sharks, which becomes a team of stars or, or within a, a betting zoo, which become a synergistic team. So you can have diverse personality, but the consistent behavior makes a difference. So the way they are approaching the, the decision-making, as someone said, the performance management, that has to be consistent. You cannot, in a company, you cannot uh, uh, assess people's performance based on diverse criteria. So it has to be some, some consistency in the way you are perform assessing performance. And this is where the consistency in the behavior actually has to be consistent so that performance can be managed and assessed consistently. So this is, uh, this is not an easy topic. Um, and uh, as you, she said also rightly earlier, it's not easy to transform a team into a performing team, whether it's one or the other. And sometimes you have certain diversity or you have the same team. And what do you do with that? So one has to rationalize around that and, uh, and, and see where it makes sense to take action the direction of the other. And Mitch, if I can still add something to that, um, we now choose the contrast between the synergistic and the team of stars, which is the most different. Um, we have this third configuration, what we call a stretch team, where you try to build on both of these uh, principles, where you're trying to, over time, switch between competition and collaboration. You're trying to mix that. But you need to tone down both of these to some extent there. And there you have probably also the most diversity in types of personality. But that that is very, very difficult to manage. Um, it can work great, and it uh, it can sometimes achieve great results uh, um, that uh, that either of the other two configurations don't really produce, but it is really much more difficult to manage because you have these different personalities and, and people very easily uh, leap into one or the other uh, extreme because uh, our, everybody has a preference. Some people prefer to work through competition. Some people prefer to work collaboration. They can, if you lead them and if you... If you develop strong norms, they can balance this, but it's very, very hard. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us, and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. What I'd like to know from your research is, okay, so we have a, <clears throat> we have a team of stars, we have a synergistic team, we have a stretch team. Did you, are there certain industries that where a, let's say a, a team of stars is more effective than let's say a synergistic team? Did you find that in your research or was it more about the culture of the company and that could work in any type, in a, any type of industry? I'm just interested about that. Cause I'm just wondering about, I'm a CEO and I'm not getting what I want. Am I looking towards the industry I'm in, the culture I'm in, or darn it, this is just what I want because I'm the CEO. If I take this, um, th there's a really 
there are some industries where you find particularly often the, the team of stars approach. Uh, often, for instance, creative industries, uh, um, banking is also investment banking in particular is often an industry where you find this. Uh, um, and on the other hand, you find uh, industries uh, where where the complexity of working together just requires a more collaborative approach. Uh, um, often in tech, uh, um, it's it's less about individual performance, but you really need the team. Um, but more important than the industry is really um, is the type of uh, companies. If you are, for instance, working across multiple industries or you have a very geographically diverse uh, company, then you would more see, for instance, uh, that you work through competition, that everybody handles their own area because then really the working together creates less value. So, so it's really um, a bit the type of company. If you have a single business, dominant business uh, company, um, you're more likely to work together and need to play off each other to really uh, hit it hard in that uh, in that uh, individual business. Uh, so, so that is more the driver necess than necessarily the industry. While there are some industry where where we find more of uh, of the different approaches. And there is, of course, an element of a, of a geographical culture. So, um, you know, we we of course operate a lot in Europe, and uh, we can see some degree of difference between South Europe and Northern Europe, where. Um, the, the concept of the team of star even looks very different if it's Northern Europe or in Southern Europe because you may have very Latino-like personality which comes across maybe even stronger than they really are. And then you may have people in Northern Europe that they, uh, they may still be a team of star, you know, in the, in the Nordic context, but they do not come across strongly. And uh, in, in the U.S. we also see very open more collaborative approach independently of uh, of some a very strong personality um, that you know whether whether we are looking at the Google or the Tesla CEOs and that is a different story. But then maybe in Asia you have a little more top down approach. So so there is an element of culture, but it does not come across very visible in our research. And we see the similarities both in uh, uh, more in the in the you know in the in the you know across the different type of teams than across uh, culture or across. This, this topic is so fascinating just because uh, it's not what we were taught, um, but, but the research is, is pulling it out. Um, I'd, love, I'd love some stories that you might have of a CEO who basically woke up one day and decided, actually, he, woke, he wakes up one day or she wakes up one day and she realizes that her... Um, her, synergi her synergistic team is not the right team to win in the market, as well as it'd be nice to find out uh, someone who wakes up and, and says, oh my gosh, I've got a team of stars or a team of sharks, but I don't, but that's not going to be what's going to be um, advantageous for me. So I have to need, I need to shift my approach. I'd love to hear some stories around that. And, and maybe these are stories where you were consulting and you said, excuse me, sir or ma'am, but it's not working because of these reasons. Do you mind if we put them anonymous without name? That's uh, probably That'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so I think a really interesting story is is uh, um, um, a CEO of a um, electronics company that uh, that we uh, um, work with, and uh, um, so so he had built really this team of stars initially. Um, grown very aggressively, added uh, entrepreneurs uh, to the company in the growth, acquired companies. And then you kind of naturally 
end up with this team of stars. And then at some point he realized that, okay, for the next step, I actually will need to coordinate across these businesses. Now my next layer will be, I actually need to integrate this. And and, and he, he told us, look, I, have, I will need to really step on people's toes because they are not used to this. And I, it's not clear that I can work with the same team. I will actually have to think about changing some of that team to be able to implement uh, this new approach that is more collaborative, uh, that's more coordinated, where we actually synergistically um, solve problems together. And that's, that's uh, it's very common in when you have uh, uh, these changes, either changes in the industry or you, you're really need to make the next step in your organization. I have to say that uh, my observation is that it's very difficult to get out of your own skin. And uh, when uh, sometimes CEOs realize that, but it's very, very difficult to completely change approach because it's not in the nature. So because of this consistency and approach, the importance of the consistent approach, they tend to be of a certain kind. So even if they may realize that you need something different, especially to execute. So what we typically see is that that slowly leads to a change of a CEO and, and, you know, and then the next level that, that happens more and more commonly. So we, we have some stories of the example that, that you asked for, but uh, they, they are really not that common. What you find more often is that you have a new CEO coming in and uh, he may find an organization, he may find a leadership team and he says, okay, well, they're, they're working, it works in a, in a way, but if I want to take them to the next level or into the direction that I want, I will have to change this. So, so for instance, one of the CEOs that we interviewed here, kind of he found a very tightly integrated team, very strongly working. They said, okay, they, they were on the borderline of, of being too nice. I want to really grow the company substantively. So I will have to introduce competition into that team. And that and it's more when you have the change in people, it's less often that uh, that uh, uh, unless you have really a, a massive change in the industry or in your organization that, that the CEO itself would, uh, would do that. This is fascinating. So let's go to the, the third, which is the stretch team, because this is the one that I think I most relate to as when I'm working with companies, which is, I know, on this side of the room, right, we have our sharks. And on this type of the room, we have our, um, our, our, our petters, let's just say. And it's just not working, right? So what have been instances where, um, where I'm sure you've come in and you're trying to transform the team? Is it, are you, are you trying to develop the sharks into petters or petters into sharks? Or do you find yourself just, you know, removing half the room? This, this is because, because this one, I think you're saying is the most challenging. And I think it's the one that we most find ourselves in, you know, unless the hiring has been so intentional. Thomas is of the two, the one most uh, tends to find a balance in the middle. I, I work easier with, uh, with, with two different types. Um, what, what we find is um, a lot has to do actually with making this explicit because people aren't actually often recognizing that, uh, that their behavior, even how their behavior is perceived. Uh, so so the, the collaborative people often don't even realize that, uh, that they come across as weak because they are collaborative uh, because the, the other members say, okay, you know, if you, if you are, if you're working and you're caving in into my idea, that means that uh, uh, you're, you're a weak player. And uh, often it has to do with, with actually 
um, getting people to to realize is the first thing. Um, I think uh, then the other thing that we we notice is that uh, um, what we said earlier that. Uh, um, to work with the team on clearly establishing the norms of what is acceptable. And, and that has to do that, again, where the management team explicitly says what will we accept and what will we not accept, and, and what, kind, what kind of behaviors. Um, a nice example is uh, one CEO that uh, um, we interviewed was telling how, how for instance, uh, um, some of the um, management team would after the meeting stand in front of his office and would say, you know, by the way, we, we talked about this, but what I really wanted to say was was this and that. Can, can we discuss this? And he basically said, look, go away. We're not going to do this. The only way we accept from now on is it's going to be in the meeting. So so you need to establish these very strong norms that everybody has to, to adhere to. And if people are not capable of doing that, if they're not willing or capable to play the, the rules, then eventually you may have to change them. But uh, if you set rules very clearly and you enforce them, people by and large uh, tend to be surprisingly capable on, of doing that. And, and, and I, think, I think this is also where we have the non-performing version. So you have a mix and match of very different personality. You have sharps and you have headers and they come all together and they're not performing. Uh, what what we really mean by a stretch team is also that that you would have in uh, in management team people who are more versatile. So they they can be sharp or they can be headers depending on the situation. So this 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 requires a, a higher capability level of CEO to manage such a situation, but also typically higher capabilities of the management team itself. So these are people who may have worked in different situations. They may be more adaptable, so they are very capable, but they can behave in a way or the other and understand when it's time to do one thing or the other. Uh, so if you have sharks who just are forced into a petting zoo, that's a chaos. That's not a performing. So then we have situations that someone described that someone may stay quiet in the course of the management meeting. And then it goes to the CEO, it goes to complain. And that's not a performing thing. So that's 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 where we are moving again from a non-performing mix to a stretch team which brings performance. Okay, so now I really understand, uh, Mariam and, and Thomas, why the the stretch team is so rare. Because you're you're looking at higher level humans who could actually stretch themselves to be petters and sharks, depending upon what's going on with the company at a certain time. And so that's what you're sharing, and that that's very hard to find. Absolutely, and also for the CEO, for the, we were talking earlier about diversity. Then you're managing a team of of uh, of uh, Call it superhuman, but it's not really superhuman. I mean, we do see a lot of these people, a lot of people with experience and, and good sense, and uh, and and then the CEO needs to be able to, you know, to understand and and cope with both that personality. So you may have a little more diversity, a little less consistency, but definitely high capability. Yeah, and it, and it seems like even more direction because we're in the one thing I you know I got from your book is is okay. So right now, team, like forever, we are we need to. Be more shark-like. That's kind of our culture. We're not being shark-like, or we need to be more petters, and we're not being petters right now. Um, or we, you know, in this meeting today, I need your shark, or in this meeting today, I need I need your petting, and that really takes a, a high level of um, awareness, both among the CEO and the people on the team. Um, this has been 
highly enlightening. And um, I really, this is very fresh material that I don't think um, I've ever, you know, really read in HBR or MIT. Um, so I really am glad that you brought this. Um, I'm already, I was having a conversation yesterday with a, a colleague saying, you have to read this book. Um, her, her whole job is helping people find high-level executives for their team. And it's just kind of like the actual, actual basis. So I'm sorry we need to end this so early, but um, I'd love to know um, where we can find you and where we can find your new book, if you uh, enlighten us with that. Well, we are definitely on LinkedIn. So if you type our name into LinkedIn, maybe uh, if needed, you add uh, Zurich with it, uh, then it definitely will come out. Uh, um, the book is uh, most easily found on Amazon. Um, that is uh, today the best uh, source. Uh, um, if you type in uh, the next leadership team and uh, one of our names, it uh, will definitely come out. Uh, or last but not least on our website, uh, we have uh, www.thenextadvisors.ch um, that uh, also from there you also will find uh, us and the book. Great. And so if you're, if you're listening in an Audible, it's Thomas Kiel, K-E-I-L, and Mariana. So Mariana has two N's and Zangrio, Z-A-N, sounds like a great drink, Zangrio. Z-A-N-G-R-I or Z-A-N-G-R-I-L-L-O. I want to thank you so much, Thomas, and I want to thank you, Mariana, and I wish you great success on your book. And uh, I think we're going to be uh, meeting soon when you launch your third book, which we'll just have to keep our listeners uh, in suspense for that third book. But otherwise, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on because I know it's late in Zurich, um, but I appreciate your time. So thank you, everyone. And uh, Please share this episode with your colleagues, with your um, with the people you work with, and we'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your support helps us grow, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available. 